listeners. Thanks for joining me today. This is Behind the Story with Chuck Tuck. And me, I'm your host, Chuck Tuck. And in today's podcast, I have a guest who actually came into the studio. And we had a conversation about overcoming adversities and what it was that influenced her to make these choices and decisions. Now, I'm not talking about a teenager or as a young adult. I'm talking as a child. We're talking about first grade, second grade, third grade. She did go all the way up and touched a little bit about uh, being a teenager. But most of this story is about overcoming her adversities at a very young age and finding a way and finding the strength to make the right choices and to look at everything in a positive light. And you're, you're going to hear her say possibly several times that she looked at all of these things not as challenges, as difficulties, but as a challenge in a game, which she turned into, you know, like I said, a game. And she knew that in order to get ahead, she had to win. So definitely listen to this entire podcast. Or if you need to skip, the second half of the podcast is when she really gets deep into you know, the uh, realization of what she had to do. So please listen to the podcast, enjoy the podcast, spread the word. Um, what else other than for me to say thank you for listening and thank you for always coming back. And if you have not subscribed, please do so. So without further ado, let's get right into the podcast. What's it So, I mean, this is a serious topic because it's yeah. about you growing up and your upbringing. And it, yeah. it's one of those situations where, you know, you and I may be an ant in this giant world. But yeah. what you managed to get yourself through was something important, I think, that people should really hear. Because a lot of us uh, are in this situation where um, we have obstacles and there's adversity. And then we yeah. stop. I mean, we stop. Mm -hmm. Get but, paralyzed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you're one of those people who managed to find somehow or some way to get through it. And you've climbed up this ladder. And I would have never guessed that you, you. you um, I don't want you to say this, but that you came from that type of a background. And it's not yeah. to say it's anything bad. So right. what was your background like? Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go way back um, to, I have three stages like of my upbringing and it goes along with three different mothers. And that's kind of how, how I compartmentalize the chapters in my life of my childhood. So starting off, it was with my, my birth mother mm -hmm. and my father. <laughs> and, um, my dad was, um, born in, in, in England my mom is French-Canadian from a little tiny town called Goose Bay, Labrador. It's like, you know, 20 people in the town, maybe more than that. But, um, yeah, they met. My mom was a little candy striper at the Air Force Base. And my dad, when he was young, that his family moved to New Mexico. He joined the military at 18 and um, was stationed there at the Air Force Base in Labrador, in Canada. And my mom was a little candy striper like medical assistant, S 16 years old. Wow. They met. My dad just fell absolutely in love with her. She was the most darling thing you could ever imagine, like like Audrey Hepburn times 10, just this sweet little naive, innocent little peanut. And anyway, they, my dad wanted to marry her. And so he got her a ticket, and he bribed her, is what my mom says, bribed her and said, you need to come to the real world. There's a real world out there. There's, there's something beyond what you're in this little tiny town you know, in the U.S. and New Mexico. In the meantime, my dad gets, um, he gets in trouble, put in jail because he steals the general's liquor and the liquor, the whole truck, liquor truck in the Air Force. <laughs> and he's... Hanging out in jail. In the meantime, my mom gets a flight to New Mexico to be with his family. He ends up joining her, and uh, they get married. So, 
So they didn't even know each other that long at all? No, gosh, no, not long at all. Months. And uh, he just was so enamored and had sent for her, had her sent to uh, New Mexico, and she's a baby. I mean, you know, basically. She's 16, 17. And, uh, yeah, they get... They get married. Um, she's 17 years old. And he's 19 or something like that. And they the first year is pretty great. She gets pregnant. She has a little boy. Well, she miscarries a little boy. And they were going to name him Paco. And, um, which I love that name, Paco. And um, a while later, they she gets pregnant again. And has my sister, Valerie. And Valerie is like my best friend. Um, two years later, she gets pregnant with me. At this time, my dad is extremely abusive. Like, terribly violent with my mom. Um, and she has me. And he is so pissed off. Like, beyond upset. Cussing her out. Slapping her. Because I'm a girl. Because devastated that he'd had a, a little girl wow. and she told my aunt she was crying my aunt was there and she said I don't know what to do what do I do he's so angry with me and he's so mad and I, I don't know I don't know what to do and my aunt says oh the only thing you can do is love her and she said I, I, I do I will and so that was like the beginning of something I wasn't really even around for but hearing the story about that is you know it is what it is, and that's how he felt. But he had a lot of problems, apparently. Um, Interesting story, because there's a lot of people, I think, that go through adversities and difficulties, but never think that they could um, pull themselves up yeah. out of it. Yeah. So really, my question to you on this is, uh-huh. what was your first, your recollection of the family life? Because like you said, this is what you heard. This, yeah. These were stories that were passed yeah, on yeah. down to you from maybe your uh, yeah. sister was two years older and your sure. mom. But what were yeah, you? For what was me, your first well, my, recollection? Well, my first recollection is when I was, like, my dad abused my mother terribly, like, hit her and stabbed her with utensils. And she was in the hospital and um, under psychiatric care. Just from Anyway, when I was six months old, she took me to Canada. And my dad kept my sister. And so my first recollection is... Probably four years old, I lived in Canada and Ottawa um, with my mom, and she got, um, she didn't speak for a year. Your Um, mom didn't? mm -mm. No, she didn't speak for a year. After she took me, my grandmother came and got us, took us back to Canada, and um, yeah, she didn't speak, so lived with my aunt and uh, my mom, and my grandma helped take care of me, and yeah, I just... I don't remember a lot. Um, I remember my grandmother being really sweet. I remember my mom being sweet to me when she was talking. She was, by that time, I was older. And she got remarried. She met somebody, um, a really nice man, uh, Jamil, a Lebanese man. And they had a baby, Riley, my sister, half-sister, who's a beautiful person. And they said, "You, we can't keep her. We can't afford her. We can't afford to keep her. Oh, so yeah. they could not afford to keep you. Mm-mm, no. So they had my sister Natalie, and I was uh, four and a half. Okay. And I remember saying goodbye to my mom, and she was just crying and crying and saying, well, I, what do I do with her? I guess we'll send her back to her dad, to my sister and my dad. And by that time, so that's going to close that chapter with my mom, mm-hmm. basically, from you know living with her. Um, Zero to four and a half yeah. issue with yeah. your my mom, mom. in Canada, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I remember sweet little things, you know, singing songs in French, which I'm pissed that I don't speak French now. But um, anyway, so then that that was that. I my grandmother t- drove me back on a took me back on a train to the U.S. My dad is now remarried. He married his foster sister, who had a little boy, um, who is one of my best friends now, but he was extremely, extremely abusive to her. I remember, you know, him beating her and my my brother, my stepbrother and I at that time, waking up with the beatings and screaming and trying to get him off of her. And 
trying to go to the neighbors to get help, and he said, "Don't you dare walk out that door." I mean, I'm we're we're little, we're eight years old, and uh, and then you know, life with her was um, really sweet and seemed normal, and she sewed me clothes and dresses for my sister and I, and she was this amazing woman, and her son Leroy was amazing too. My dad would he wanted him to be a boxer, and he always had wanted a boy, you know, and mm-hmm. he wanted me to be tough too, and. So because of that tough love kind of thing, did it make you a stronger person or did you become a stronger person because you felt that that's what you had to do to survive? I mean, was that something that you figured out on your own or is this something that was put into you because of other situations? Honestly, I think both. Mm -hmm. I think um, I got lucky with DNA that made me a strong person, but... It's also survival of the fittest sometimes. You do what you need to do. Yeah. You know, I can, you're probably the same way, but just based on what I know about you is I can kind of be a chameleon to fit into the environment that I'm in. Right. And if I need to be a people pleaser, which I still am, which sometimes I struggle with, um, that's what I'll do. You know. So why don't we jump ahead to like okay. um, 14 or 15-ish? Yeah, 14 yeah. or 15-ish. Okay. So, uh, well, it's hard to do because my I get my sister and I. I'm gonna I'm gonna end. The, can I end the chapter with my second mom? It's weird for me to call it a story because a story yeah. seems like a fable. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, this is what I wrote down. It's not true. Yeah. But this is this is your this is yeah. your life. Yeah. And this is this is um, probably a life that a lot of people have gone through. I never would have guessed. I mean, you are a person who looks like you've been privileged and had everything. But yeah. it, that's far That's far oh, from it's, how it was. That's far from the so, truth. So beyond far from the truth. And, um, you know, usually you go the other way about don't judge a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. With somebody who looks like they've been through some terrible times. And I know maybe on the outside I... Might not look like that, but on the inside, yeah, I've been through hard times just like so many people. And, you know, I've had people tell me, gosh, you must have had, you just seem so amazing. You probably just had the best parents in the world. You just probably had the most wonderful childhood. And yes and no. I mean, it, there was challenges and certainly struggles, but I still feel like it kind of made me who I am. But my so my second mom who's so lovely my sister and I um she was terribly abused and thank god for her strength um my sister and I got home from school one day and i'm in third grade uh second grade sorry and my sister's in fourth grade and we get there and my sister said i think we've been robbed and i was like what we were robbed she goes yeah I need to call dad. I think we've been robbed. Well, lo and behold, she, our mom at that time, second mom, she took her son and they had to leave. So she, he didn't kill her. Yeah. So. Oh, so she, so she didn't kill her because. No, my dad would have physically killed her because of the massive domestic violence. And she was afraid for her life. That if she didn't leave, um, he would hurt her so badly. I mean, he'd beaten her. He'd beaten my mother, my birth mother. He'd beaten her just to a pulp. And we saw it. And he was just, you know, he was just one of those people who, I don't know why, but I feel like back in the day that there was a lot of domestic violence. There was never any excuse for it. It should never happen. I don't ever want to see it. I don't respect him one bit, but nobody said anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody said anything. The family didn't. They knew it was happening. What a terrible thing to protect an abuser. Yeah. I, I was a child, um, you know, but anyway, yeah. He, yeah, he, he wanted me to be tough. He wanted Leroy to be tough. He was easier on my older sister, um, but he'd just kick us out of the car and say, run up that hill. Get out of the car, follow the car, run faster. You know, he just wanted us to be 
strong and fit and the best. And that was one thing my dad always did say, no one is better than you. There is nobody better than you. So in a way, do you feel like that this, I mean, helped you later on in your life? I mean, just that put it in your head that you. A hundred percent. Yeah. As much as I don't respect him as a, as a person, I absolutely believe that even though I was a fucking idiot some days, him telling me that I was the best and there was no one in the world better than me, there was those days where I believed it. I believed it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It, it's take the good with the bad or take the bad with the good or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. There, and it's so both. It's so extreme. Like you're the best ever and you're the fucking idiot. I went with the best ever. So I, I you know, I credit people like y- you uh, in in choosing that. I mean, yeah. you you were a victim, but you chose. It seems like you chose not to be a victim. You're yeah. you're going to flip it and make mm-hmm. something which would be the best situation out of it. And yeah, you know, it's yeah. It, uh, I I well I have decided. You know, you decide what you want to be, and I think it was I don't want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want a better life. Um, so then, when she left, and my sister and I got home and said we've been robbed, realized that you know our mom at that time had had to leave, and yeah. we didn't see her again for a very long time. Uh, so now my dad's left with two little girls, right? And he's he's a he's he's a gambler. He's uh, an alcoholic. Um, we're, we're spending many nights at the card room at the track, um, at the cockfights. And uh, so she leaves, and he ends up with half of the money from the proceeds of the house. So somehow that worked out. But he takes all the money. He gambled all of it away and lost our home. So now we have nothing. Now we have nothing. So now we're doing even more gambling. And... The cockfights is I thought was pretty fascinating as a little girl. He'd take us out to Whidbey Island and go to a farm, and we get to go pick out a rooster. And he'd say, "TL," he called me "TL." Actually, "TL," go ahead, get one. I'd say, "Okay." So I'd pick out the pick out the prettiest rooster with the prettiest feathers, and we'd go to you know in the backwoods, and there'd be all these men standing around this big pen smoking cigarettes cash flying everywhere, trading hands, and it's my turn. I step up to the pen, and I've named my little rooster Jack or or something, and I'm like, here we go, Jack. Let's do it. Let's do it, Jack. You're going to win. Oh, well, didn't realize they have razor blades on their their, uh, claws, and little Jack gets completely shredded (sighs) to death, and I'm so upset, and I tell my dad, like, Oh my God! What happened to Jack? Is he gonna let? He's and I'm crying, and he said, "Don't you be a pussy, TL." He lost, and he's upset now because he lost money in the bet. So, how yeah. old were you? I was ten. I was ten. So yeah, my dad was just dragging us to cockfights, and we'd fall asleep in card rooms on the couches or in the car, and. Hours and hours and, uh, you know, at, at the horse track and wherever he could gamble. And, you know, it's funny. I do believe that gambling is is one of, if not, the worst addiction you can have. I never realized that until we lost we lost everything. So closing that chapter with mom number two. Yes. I First, I want to say I don't know how you survived and I don't know how you... Mm-hmm got through something like that because you know you, you pull out a rooster and i'm thinking it's my pet <laughs> right yeah you know, i love this thing i, I just met animals. i just met this animal yes. and then like you said five minutes later it's shredded and it's dead and you're told yeah. suck it up suck it up girl. don't be a pussy uh-huh yep that's what exact words and okay all right i mean he was I, I can't say that he, I want to say he loved animals, but right before that even happened, you know, our kitten Pepper had kittens and our cat ki- Pepper had kittens. And, um, well, back in that, those days, we don't need extra 
cats in the world. So what does he say? TL, get out here. Go out to the driveway, and he has a brown paper bag. I'm really not sure what's happening, but somehow I became an accomplice to a kitten murder because he told me to sit in the front seat and rev the engine while he held the bag of kittens on the tailpipe. Oh, and, oh so you, okay, gas them. Yeah, gas them. Yeah, gas them multiple times. And I remember being so sad uh, about the kittens because, you know, as a little girl, you all you want is kittens to take care of and mother. And no, he said, there's enough fucking cats in the world. We don't need any more. So there goes that. And... You know, I I, feel, I actually feel bad about it today, even though I didn't know. But so there, mom number two is now gone. Thank the Lord, strongest gone woman yet. Gone because, because she had the mom number two had left. Oh, she okay. No, this, <laughs> and you're not even. You're just barely yeah. a teenager now. Yeah. And this yeah. is hap- all. Yeah. This has no. happened already. Uh, all this has happened already. Um, yeah, so now I am going to go to mom number three, and this is, I'm going to be going into third grade into my third elementary school. So if you've been listening to the story from my guest today, you'd probably think that she was at least a teenager, but no, like she said, she's just now entering third grade and already by that time she's picked out a cock for cockfights. She's watched her moms, plural, uh, get beaten to a pulp. She's had her second mom basically abandon her and her sister just for her safety. I don't want to say just for her safety, but it was for the safety of the second mom. And now she and her sister are left with her father, who... Sounds like he was definitely verbally abusive. But again, at the same time, my guest takes that and turns that negative into a positive somehow. All right, so let's go ahead and continue listening to what she has to say now that she's going into the third grade. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get something straight. So yeah. Whidbey Island is a part of Washington State. It's an Island, obviously, right? Whidbey yeah. Island. So that was only where the cockfights happened. Oh, so were you still in Canada? Yeah. But you would, where? No, no, no. You were in. Washington I was home. States. Yeah, my mom. I mean, my grandma had already brought me back at five years old. Okay, yeah, and dropped okay. me off, took me back to my dad, and I know it's so confusing. I'm sorry. Um, my grandma had already taken me back because my mom couldn't keep me. Now I'm. I was five at that point. So now I'm with the second mom who. I was abused terribly and had my brother, um, who I adore. Anyway, um, yeah, so that was mom number two. My dad married his foster sister, and she had a son. And she was ousted from her family because she he was black. And so she was going to school at 16, had him, and her parents wanted nothing to do with her, putting put her in a little... Um, pregnancy home for teens and said, go there. And then my grandparents took her in as a foster. And that's how my dad met her. So anyway. Wow. 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 Right. I know. And uh, she made it and she like, she went, she was 16. She was having a baby. She was going to school. She was working. She ended up being very successful. She's back in my life now. And one of the most incredible women, strong women you could know. Um, So I feel so lucky. So okay, so that's you. now I'm t- uh, okay. Me, I know you. Yeah, I mean this is this is about you and how you, mm-hmm. you know, brought yourself up from yeah where you were, and, and yeah, and this is hopefully going to help people out there to know that there are situations that seem impossible to get out of um, dire straits. Is that the right wing? right thing to say but i mean that you seemingly yeah you seemingly (laughs) think that this is an impossible situation that i Mm -hmm. can't get out of Mm -hmm. and i am a victim and i'm going Mm -hmm. to remain a victim but absolutely you again you chose somehow to look at it as i'm going to do something different about it i'm going to change something i'm going to make something of my life 
and you took mm -hmm. some positive out of all of this tragedy. I call it tragedy, but all this negative stuff. Yeah, yeah, negative stuff. But I still had a really good, and I, I, I've told my children this: like attitude is everything. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. A weakness in attitude is a weakness in character, and I totally believe that um, you can choose your attitude. You wake up in the morning, you choose to have a good day. Yeah. Um, and that's the mindset I start my days with, that I am fortunate, I am lucky, I'm alive. People have it. I put things in perspective about where I am in my life and where others may be struggling, you know, with, with problems and health and whatever it may be. And I just, just sounds so Pollyanna, but look at the bright side of things. Yeah. You know? So then my dad now has lost the house. We have nothing. He has two little girls. Um, and now I'm going to go to th my third mother, and I am going to be going out into third grade. My sister's going to go into fifth grade. So we had all that, and <laughs> it's fine. And my now my um, dad meets a woman at a bar. And I think he's pretty desperate at this time because... He has two girls and really nowhere to live soon. Yeah, so she meets this woman at a bar, and she has two kids, a daughter one year younger and then a son um, three years younger, and she is living in Section 8 housing mm -hmm. in Kent. Um, so subsidized housing, and my dad has no other choice but for us to move in with her. So now my dad and my sister and I, we all move in. Um, to this crazy complex in Kent called Springwood. And there's probably 400 units there. And they're, it's so segregated. It's crazy. You have, uh, it's 1981-ish. Mm -hmm. And you have the Russians. You have the immigrants, like from Vietnam. You have the blacks. You have the whites. You have the senior citizens. You have um, just a, such an array, but it was like when you applied, you get put into a certain area into this mm, complex, mm -hmm. you know. But they had things. They had on-site food bank. They had a rec hall where you could do pottery for kids. They had a number of laundry mats. Um, so all this has happened. We, we move in. It's not the best, but you make the best of anything. I did, uh, certainly. But now my dad is back into gambling. She's she's they're both alcoholics. They're gone all the time. We have three young children who are left alone every night um, with a couple dollars to go to the store to buy dinner on our own. You grew up fast. <laughs> really fast. Wow. Really fast. My poor sister, she fell she still feels a lot of guilt, I think, for like not everybody turning out amazing, and it's so not her fault. She had a lot of pressure on herself. And that's your older sister who's two yeah. years older, right? Yeah, two years older. She's amazing. Yeah, so they're just gone all the time. We're still going to the, the card room, the track, and all of this. I mean, our rent is $85 a month. Um, it's hard to pay it because he's gambling it all away. Mm -hmm. And they're coming home after the card room, you know, he's really angry. Like I said, he, he beat my first mom. He beat my second mom. He continues to beat my third mom. I mean, I remember stories of, not stories, I remember, I mean, absolutely him hitting her all the time. But specifically one night, they would fight, and I heard them screaming downstairs. And it was a different kind of scream. And so I went downstairs and I was hiding kind of behind the bottom of the staircase. And she was in the bathroom with a gun to her head. And she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to fucking do it. And he said, I dare you. You're too weak to pull the trigger. And now I'm maybe 11 years old. And I just remember putting my hands over both of my eyes and praying, please don't do it. Please don't do it. Uh, she didn't do it. But 
the abuse goes on to where sh- she's worried about feeding four kids, mm-hmm. and she ends up embezzling money from her job and goes to jail, and then a halfway house um, for a year. Um, and all she's doing is trying to get money to f- feed the kids and feed his addiction. And she ends up, you know, going. going so she wasn't doing it to for no. herself. She no. was really doing it for the family to yeah. su- try to support the family any way she yeah. could. Yeah, any way she could. Um, I mean, we had, we didn't have, it ends up to where we literally have nothing. She's gone. My dad's gambling everything away. Now we have no food. Like literally, he won't go to the food bank. She would have. She would have went to the food bank, but he didn't. And so now it's, where do you get food? Well, you get food in the back of a grocery store in a dumpster. And he would just drive us to the back of stores, you know, on the weekends. And he would just tell us to get out and dump, jump in the dumpsters. And it's funny because I was talking to my older sister about it, and my younger sister about it, and. For me, it was a game. I wanted to find the best watermelon and the best cantaloupe. And they were mortified and embarrassed. Mm. You know, they did, would... I'm in seventh grade. I mean, I'm old. Now I'm, in, like, in seventh grade. Yeah. And I would come out and so prideful and say, Dad, look at this watermelon. It's perfect. And he'd, yeah, Tia, good job. And just getting that little bit of, you know... Recognition, recognition. And praise. yeah, and praise. I just felt like I did it. I'm, I'm doing good. You know, while you're saying that, I'm looking over what you wrote on the board over here. Oh, oh. we rise by lifting others. Yes. So you were kind yeah. of pleasing yeah. him. You were, yeah. You made it a game for yourself, but you were. were you, and you I was were also competitive with my sisters because okay. I wanted to win the best watermelon prize mm-hmm. or the best. I specifically remember watermelon because my dad loved watermelon, so I was always digging for the watermelons. But so as 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 <laughs> a, a, abusive as he was towards your uh, mothers, mm-hmm. you still wanted to mm-hmm. please him. You still kind of looked at him. Well, he was you your were father. Afraid and, too. Oh, okay. So there's that fear. Yeah. Okay. Absolute fear. Absolute fear that you're going to piss him off. You know, you get you get home and it's like. Get me a taste. Get me a drink. Whiskey. There's always a half gallon of whiskey always on the counter. When is it that you think that you broke away from that that fear? Um, or did you ever break away from that fear? Yeah, I think I did. I absolutely did. Uh, I, I, you know, I've always been a happy person. Mm-hmm. I was talking. I wasn't talking. I was on, on Facebook, and I had posted something and my aunt who knew me from when I was a little girl sent me a message this is like six months ago and just said it's so wonderful um to see you still smiling she said every time I saw you when you lived in Canada you woke up with a smile on your face and singing a song every day and I was like I still do that I still wake up smiling and singing I don't even know how this happened but even through all the adversity for whatever reason have I been sad of course I'm human but I've also been blessed with a really great outlook on life. Is that a bubble that you have around you where you don't see things as real as they should be? Or is it because that you really have that strong belief that things are always going to be better yes. and that you are always going to strive and make the best of everything? Always strive. Always strive to make the best of everything. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And what's sad is, you know, my sister and I, we fared much better than my step-siblings. And I I can't tell you why, because we were in the same environment. Um, And unfortunately, you know, there were two wonderful people who ended up in really unfortunate situations and circumstances that, you know, I hate to say that they chose, but they both ended up in prison um, for many, many years. You know, that's an interesting thing, I think, about siblings or close friends where you're growing up in the same environment but then you're uh the latter years of your life you are not polar opposites but you've taken totally different paths Mm -hmm. and it's it's how did that happen yeah and i often think it's a choice we make choices 
people might say, yeah. well, I didn't have a choice. Well, we do have a choice. Yeah. And oftentimes it's either you do or you don't. So those are choices. Right. So whether you put fear into it or not, mm-hmm. you still have a choice. Yeah. And it sounds like to me that you, come hell or high water, you took, you made your choice that you're going to make the best for yourself. Yeah. For sure. Because so who else can do it for you? I mean, where did you find that strength or that character? How yeah. did it come about? Because we want people to understand and know that they can they can do these things too. Mm-hmm. You're Absolutely. you're here to talk about your story to make yes. a difference. Absolutely. Well, n- number one, you already said it. It's a choice. It is a choice. Uh, I also had other family members who were really supportive. Um, my sister and I, our aunts, um, always always told us we were loved. Um, we didn't see them often, but when we did, or if they a couple times went on camping trips, they would in, invite my sister and I. Mm-hmm. And we felt so loved by them, and they always said, you know, your, your mom loves you. Um, she would do anything for you. She can't be with you, but we want you to know that we know that she loves and cares about you. My sister never had a relationship with my mom. I was only with her until I was five. And um, and I didn't obviously have a great relationship with my father. Um, but having other family members, anybody, any one person who cares about you can make all the difference in the world. So I, I, I guess for me, I would look at that and take that as they don't have to present themselves directly to you, but you mm-hmm. should actually make possibly an effort to find those who do care and who love you and surround yourself with that. Right. Absolutely. Because it can make it, it does make a difference. Not that it can, it does. No, it absolutely does. I mean, I have a little girl who lives next door to me and it is all I can do. You know, she's homeschooled and she, I don't know where she comes out of the woodwork. Every time I drive up in my car, she just, there she is. (laughs) And, and I know she runs out there because I talk to her and because I smile at her and I ask her about her day and I think she's kind of lonely. And just to see that little glimmer in her eye when I drive up, it makes me feel so good. But to let another child or a little human know that she's cared about, even if she's my neighbor, I know that's making a difference in her little life. So, you know, a part of the takeaway for me on this is you don't have to be a family member. No. Don't. And if you're saying, well, you know what, I'm hearing this story, but I didn't live through it. So it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. But to me, it's like you are a figurehead or you're the sunshine of the day for that neighbor girl. So mm-hmm. whether we don't think that we're making a difference to anybody else or we didn't experience this, yeah. we could be making a difference for somebody else. So um I take it as say hi. Just yeah. just just say hi. Especially if they're a little yes. little kid in oh. your neighborhood. Just say hi. Hey, what did you do today? What are you gonna do today? Don't just say get away. No, don't ignore a child. Uh, having people, my third grade teacher, probably one of my favorite people of all times I remember her telling me that I was special. For whatever reason, that stuck with me. And maybe because I wasn't getting it at home. There was no, not a lot of affection. It was literally about you know them drinking and gambling and trying to scrape by. It wasn't about loving all of us kids. Not that we didn't do fun things. We would go to the mountains. Um, we would go fishing, squidding. We, when we go to the mountains, my dad's poaching. Uh, you know, we're we're snagging salmon. We're whatever we're doing. Um, so there were good times. But for me, um, yeah, having that one person in your life who can make a difference is amazing. Amazing. And all of us can do it. Every single person. And when I said we rise by lifting others on your little board right here, there's nothing that makes me happier in this world. Yeah. it's It is true. Just human kindness that makes me happy and that we all have within us that can make a difference. And it's, it's just that to me, it's just that one word. Hi. Hi. Can make a difference oh. in, in somebody's day. You know, yeah. just a smile and hi. Hi. 
Hey. Yes. And you know what? That makes me happy. I love saying hi to everybody I pass. It's maybe annoying, but um, and when people say hi to me, that makes my day. I am amazed and just at an awe of my guests and how resilient she was at such a young age and to realize what it took to survive. We'll be right back after this short message. I'm my, my third mother now. Yeah, so um, we're back. Um, back. So we're, we're at your third mom right now. <laughs> the third mom. Third mom. Um, yeah, what I, third what, mom. What I... What I really want to understand and know, yes, and that may help out people that are listening and watching, yeah. is really how did you get how did you get through all of this? Well, uh, number one, uh, number one, a positive attitude. <laughs> um, I t- well, having people who care about you in your life, um, other than your parents who really don't give a shit, um, and. I don't even know how to say this. I mean, I, I took this course recently um, through Yale, and it was called The Science of Well-Being. Oh. And there's a lot of things that create happiness uh, for a person, and uh, 60% of your happiness is based on literally, scientifically, based on a case study with twins who grew up in different environments, in different places, with different families. Mm-hmm. And they did this well-being study uh, questionnaire and all of these other um, different tactics to find out uh, their personalities and levels of happiness and well-being. And 60, they scored like, you know, six uh, tons of twins were done in the study. But basically what they found out, this was like in 1996, is that your happiness is really based mostly on your DNA. Which is crazy. So it's passed down her- hereditarily. Yes. It is passed down hereditarily. You're just like the color of your eyes, just like how tall you're going to be. Your happiness level is partially based on your DNA. My mom, my birth mother, is one of the sweetest, kindest, most loving humans. My brother and sister, who are my half-siblings, are the same way. My sister with the same parents is the same way. And I attribute my, my happiness and my positive outlook partially on my DNA, partially on being kind of a strong little fighter personality, and I know what I don't want. Um, friendships and social relationships, um, you know, being active, a lot of things contribute to my happiness. But growing up, you know, finding that best watermelon, finding the best cantaloupe, um, was honestly such a gift. And I don't know why I was given that. There's a movie called um, Life is Beautiful. It's an Italian film. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. The actor, leading actor in that won an Academy Award. And... Um, it was about a father who, you know, they're in Italy and they're going through, you know, it's around World War II times and his father gives him the outlook that this convoy of tanks going through town is a good thing. It's a parade and they're there to celebrate and he puts in this little boy's mind that we are here for a joyful celebration where it was really a terrible, troubling time for this country. And for me, that watermelon, that was such a terrible time in my life, or would seem to be, you know, where we have no food, where we have no money, where there's gambling, alcoholism, beatings, um, so much adversity and, and challenging times as a young girl. For me, it was a time to have a, a situation where I was having fun. I was being competitive with my siblings. I was trying to show my father that I could, I could be the best, I could find the best, that I was, I was having fun. I, I didn't look at it as 
this terrible situation. And I think my dad did try to make that fun in a way for us. I'm the only one who found fun in it, apparently. But um, I think giving a different outlook on life sometimes can be all the difference in the world. Um, it's not too much. <laughs> well, it's... I know each one of us as individuals have uh, a turning point in life when we realize yeah. that we have to take control of our own des- destiny and our own mm. our own self and our own life. Um, that, yeah. That's what I believe is that yeah. we, we choose what to do. It's yeah. not necessarily our parents, even though you hear things where people say, well, my mom or my dad made me do this or they put me into dance and then I became a dancer. Right. To me, it sounds like yeah. you know you were in that situation where it was the the only direction as far as um, uh, parenthood goes is a is the wrong direction. Yeah, and you you somehow managed to choose the right direction. Mm-hmm. So I I want to know how it is that mm-hmm. how and what triggered you to realize yeah. and say you know what. These are not the directions. These are not the instructions that I want. I yeah. therefore I am going to um, control my life mm-hmm. and go in the direction that I want to. Was there a significant yeah. thing that Incident. happened in your life? Yeah, uh, something whether it be tragic or something mm-hmm. that be um, um, emotionally binding, bonding yeah. that said, "Hey, yeah. it's time for you to grow up. You're 14 years old. <laughs> grow up." Yeah, and then. And then you made this conscious change and you, you, you headed out in your own direction. You said, I'm taking care and I'm taking hold of my own life. I'm going in the direction that I want to go. Is there yeah. something significant that happened or is it just a, a slow mm. progress of, you know what? I've learned everything I need to learn from my, from my dad and from my, from my moms. Yeah. And I'm ready to um, set out mm-hmm. on the direction that I want to go. Yeah. That's a really good question. You know, and I, I haven't thought about that particularly, like a, a certain turning point, but I was, hmm, I think it was after we left, when we lived at, um, at our home where we were renting that we ended up not being able to afford because they were selling the home and we had to move into an apartment. Um. And there just wasn't enough space. And there was still a lot of violence happening, um, domestic violence happening. Um, Somehow I got the courage. And I I had a boyfriend at the time whose family was amazing. I got the courage to confront my dad. And I was just so tired of watching, you know, the abuse. I mean, I can remember my dad with my third mom just beating her and my sister having... And I taking her to the hospital, and it just happened so much. It wasn't like once or twice; it was constantly. And when when they couldn't afford to buy this rental home we were in, and who knows if they were even paying the bills, and we, when we had to move to the apartment, I remember them fighting, and I said, "I can't do it anymore." And my boyfriend's parents at the time were just these wonderful people. And said, you can come. They knew about my struggles at home. And they said, you can live with us. And so I went to my dad and I said, I'm moving out. And he said, what? What do you mean you're moving out? I said, I can't stay here anymore. I said, I can't stand to watch you beat every mother I ever had. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, I've, we've all seen you. Like, it's been so many years, dad, of you beating terribly all of, all of my moms. And he said, you're a liar. I never did anything like that. And I said, okay, I'm leaving. So and how old were I you? I how was old? 16. Um, so I moved out at 16. <clears throat> and I am my junior year in high school, so I mean, I was 17. And I moved in with my boyfriend's parents. And they let me live with them. And he ended up, <laughs> the boyfriend, high school boyfriend, this is terrible too, ends up <clears throat> being a cocaine addict. <laughs> <laughs> so I now I'm 
you know, I'm with them for a while. Now I'm a senior. He's homeschooled. And I end up going with the parents all the time up to a rehab and to visit him and blah, blah, blah. I move out. I graduate high school somehow. And uh, <laughs> I move out at 18 with my sister and another friend into a home, a house. And I said, I can't be with this boyfriend anymore. And I break up with him. And his parents said, how dare you? After everything we did for you, how mm. dare you leave us? And I packed up everything they ever gave me, every handbag, every piece of jewelry, every, uh, uh, the clothing, everything they ever gave me. I put it all in a big bag with a letter saying, I never cared about this stuff. That was never important. I appreciate everything you ever did for me, but I can't be with somebody who is an addict, and he ended up going back to drinking. He he went through rehab again, and he's great, but um, he wasn't the person who I was meant to be with, and and that was it, and that was the end of high school. Um, after I left my, yeah, my, my family at... Uh, almost 17 years old see that's incredible that all all of this has happened <laughs> yeah and you're only 17 years old i know so that that's yeah. what the crazy part is i mean a lot of people will say well i've experienced um so much in life before i was 20 years old but it's their experiences were i mean many people probably have similar experiences Absolutely. and uh, again 100 percent and this today is really about talking about your experiences yeah. and how you got out of it, and hopefully that people can understand that oh, um, gosh, yes. they can they can they can succeed and they can get out of that situation. But a lot of people end up saying that um, that they have experienced a lot in life by the time that they're uh, seniors in high school or getting out of high school, but they haven't gone through the the tragedy that you have. Their experiences more or mm. more like. You know, I've traveled here, I've traveled there, I've met these people, whatever, that kind of thing. But Yeah. Um, so uh, you're 17, and you kind of set out on your own. And mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, right now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really jump way ahead. Okay. You, you are a successful person who yeah. are working with a lot of people, mm -hmm. and... You, mm -hmm. you've brought yourself here. Yeah. My question really is, when you were young and you were going experiencing all this, mm -hmm. did you have in your mind what you wanted to be? Or did yeah. you have a thought of what you wanted to do in life? I mean, is, is that yeah. something that helped you? Or oh, you know, dreams? Is it, is it good to dream about what you want to do? Or is that saying, well, you're not facing reality? Yeah. Or did it help you? That's funny. I mean, no one ever ever talked to me about college mm -hmm. it was just sir mama should we talk to mama no that's what second or third time yeah let's talk to her okay but that's another thing is about happiness is living in the moment yeah is appreciating right now because your burdens of yesterday or the past create depression your worry about the future can create anxiety. Uh, it's good to have goals about the future and such. Yeah, yeah. But being present and appreciating this moment because you don't know what you have tomorrow and what you had yesterday is gone. And enjoying like everything you have right now and, and appreciating that we're here. We have this fall. We are in this amazing studio. Um, you know, I wouldn't even say reconnecting, connecting on a new fun level. It's really amazing and it's really special. And I don't ever want to take for granted moments like this that you don't get very often. Yeah. 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 This is really weird. Um, and, and now I'm thinking about a couple more things that I should mention. Um, just kind of some weird little hardships. And I'm going to, because we can kind of end it with this. But um, hmm. There's so many more bad things that I didn't tell you about. 
you want to go into telling that? I mean, is there really a part two to all this stuff? Because you have had a lot of adversities and you oh, have yeah. had a lot of different challenges. I well, did. I mean, I just like like the gasoline being poured on my head. and. So, yeah, you didn't even mention that. I mean, gasoline poured on your head. Yeah, I had lice. And my dad said I was a disgusting pig. And he'd pour gas on my head and make me sleep on a sheet on the floor. Um, I mean, I did have lice, but <laughs> lots of kids did. There's just like so many little things that have happened. Um, we li- where we lived, it was like the Green Ki- River Killer was there during that time, so we were always so freaking scared. Um, okay, but what has really helped me uh, move through adversity, and it is so. It is so silly in a way for me. I already said it. Having good people in my life, people who made me feel confident and strong, as messed up as this is, and my dad being so terribly abusive, he could. He also would take in strangers off the street and hitchhikers off the street. I mean, I was picking up hitchhikers literally until a couple of years ago. Um I know, but I did, Um, is what makes me feel better than anything is helping other people. There's nothing more finding strength through, through, through anybody who cares. And I felt so crazy fortunate to have made it through so many challenges as a young person where I could have easily ended up, and I hate to say this, in prison like my step-siblings did. Um, but making sure a child knows that they're, they're loved and that they're cared about like I mentioned earlier about my neighbor girl who can't run out to my car fast enough. And I know, you know, being homeschooled, she doesn't have a lot of people in her life, that that means the world to her. It meant the world to me for anyone to care about me, especially like my, any teachers that I had growing up. Teachers are huge. I have a a handful that, that made a difference in my life. Um, I literally was, I'm so lucky, and I was blessed with a really positive mindset to know what I didn't want in life, to move forward and um, be better than what I was given, knowing that that wasn't what I wanted, knowing I didn't, you know, my, my, my I don't even know if I shared, you know, my dad died, Um when he was out of my life shortly after, he was, you know, he was dealing meth. And he died of a massive heart attack with meth in his system. Um, but the, he, had, he died with one dollar. He gambled every penny of it away. And no, I'm just, I'm, I don't even, I, Chuck, the crazy thing is, is I am not a victim. I have never considered myself a victim. My adversity has made me a better, stronger, more compassionate, resilient, and loving person who wants to help others. So just listening to what you had to say, it de- it doesn't, honestly, it doesn't seem like there is one person or a oh. person that affected you. In your decision and to how you've grown, it's really all because of you and your choices and your decisions that you've made. Nobody, nobody influenced you. And not really where you're at. You did it all Mm -hmm. on your own. Mm -hmm. And I guess the hard part and what we're trying to get people to understand is there are choices. And sometimes the choices that you make have to be 
your choices. Your choices. And not no. a choice by anybody else and not a direction that somebody has given you. You have to yeah. choose that direction and you have to do it. And I so appreciate you pointing that out because I was struggling just now to come up with somebody making me choose why I am who I am today. And I will, I guess, accredit it to yourself. Yourself. Yeah. It's hard to say, but you. Yeah. I, I look at it as you did it all. You I survived. So true. I, I, I don't know. I had my sister. I had my aunts. Yeah. I had it's support. You know, yeah, it's support. I had, I had support. Um, but at the end of the day, you choose your own destiny. Every person decides what they want, who they want to be, and what they aspire to be, what they don't want to be. And I knew following, you know, what I grew up with, what I didn't want to be. And that was enough of a lesson for me to make the decisions that I did in my life. And I'm so grateful. And, you know, I didn't grow up with any religion. Um, that I think a lot of people lean on that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that is wonderful. If I would have had that, that probably would have been great. But I didn't. My grandmother was Baha'i. Um, which is a very humanitarian um, type spiritual religion. And there used to be a bus that came around when I lived in Section 8 housing that would pick us up and take us like a couple of days a week to the church and sing songs. And I remember one song, one, two, three, the devil's after me. Four, five, six, he's always throwing sticks. Seven, eight, nine, he misses every time because he's afraid of the name of the Lord. And, um, but you know, it was amazing. I didn't have any religion, I didn't have any church, but that church took care of the children in that community, in that Section 8 housing of 400 places. They would pick up the kids, they would take them, they would feed, feed us, we would sing songs and talk Bible talk, and they would take us home. And it was lovely. And that's what church is about. That is what caring about people is about. And I'm not highly religious. I'm maybe more spiritual. And for me, loving everyone, caring about everyone, leaving every relationship better than the second I arrived is what matters most to me. That's... That sounds proper and that sounds good. I mean, there's okay. there's a lot of unanswered questions and curiosity, at, yeah. at least from my part. Yeah. But I think that's a perfect place to 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 end this session, and hopefully, that you decide that you'll come back on and you know talk again a little bit more about uh, traversing the adversities as far as uh, growing up from adolescence to an adulthood and being becoming successful. Yeah. Um, and. Yeah, I, I, I hope the listeners and the viewers got something out of this. You all out there who are listening and watching have to know that a lot of people go through adversities and a lot of people have difficulties, but we make our own choices. We do have a choice in what we do and what we go in our directions that we uh, want to take ourselves. Yep. And I, I personally think that, you know, sitting next to you and feeling your vibe that you have you have made many of the right choices and i hope i hope that you are as happy inside as you are portraying ex- on your exterior that um you are this happy person yeah. it's uh, it's not about it's really not about you know the physicality and the beauty of how somebody looks but it's mm-hmm. it goes much much deeper than that and it sounds really corny but I think you kind of said it earlier when you, we were talking off camera is when I asked, you know, what is it about yourself that you like? And I think you said your smile. And a lot of times it's either your smile or your eyes um, really tell or you can see into a person, as corny as it sounds, into the soul and the yeah. depth of who they are just by their smile and their eye. Mm-hmm. Um, so and, and both your smile and the eyes actually yeah. say that. You're content right now, right, yes. right now. In this moment. In this moment. So good. Because things can so always good. change. 
in a blink of an eye. Yep. And so, um, thank you. So for, my guest. Yeah. Thank you for me being a guest today. And I hope you decide to come back. Thank you. And I would be honored to come back. Thanks for sticking around and listening to this podcast in its entirety. It really does help the algorithms to let more people know that this podcast is out there for them to, to listen to. And in fact, pretty soon we'll be having videos to go along with this. But there are a couple other things that I would like to ask for you to do if you wouldn't mind. And that is please subscribe. Or if you don't want to subscribe, at least save it and come back and listen to the podcast. I'm going to do my best to have at least two podcasts a month. Also, leave comments and please give a rating. And please be generous and give a five star. Uh, The other thing, too, is I would like to know from you folks, would you like the podcast to be shorter, broken down into possibly two 30-minute segments or 15-minute segments, or is this long format okay for you? The other thing is, I hope you took something away from this particular podcast. I know I did, and my understanding is that we all have choices, and some choices might not be the right choice but they are our choices. Be positive, be mindful, and make that choice. Whether it be good or bad, it is your choice. So until next time, my name is Chuck Tuck, and this is Behind the Story with Chuck Tuck. Thanks. See you again.